0: and welcome back to the Creatable Future podcast with Ryder Tracy, an education podcast for teachers that shines a light on industry practice and connects it to the classroom. For the last few weeks we've been taking a deep dive into evaluation and this week we're excited to be joined by Michelle Schuberg, CEO of Curious. Hi Michelle.
1: Hi Ryder, lovely to be here.
0: Thanks so much for being here today. Um, uh, First of all, can I start? I need to start at the start with you. Um, Would you (laughs) mind? Could you tell me what is the metaverse and why should I care about it?
1: Ah, do you know, they are very topical and very interesting questions. You should absolutely care about what it is, but you don't need to care so much about the word, the metaverse. You know, it's a bit of a buzzword. Um, but it serves us all well to know what what is meant by that word and certainly the technology that underpins it is is right where we're all going to be playing uh, from from really here on. and most of us are already playing there without realizing it as well. So essentially, I think the simplest way to describe the metaverse is, to think about the internet becoming a three-dimensional place rather than a two-dimensional place. So at the moment, the internet is kind of like a brochure. We scroll through, it's two-dimensional, a little bit like looking at a, a magazine or a brochure. Whereas with the metaverse, we start to introduce what we call perpetual 3D worlds. So they're environments that are Created for us to move around inside of. And that lets us go into the internet and physically interact and engage with the content that we find there. I mean, examples are Minecraft, Roblox, uh, Fortnite. These are all metaverse environments. And really, the only thing we need to understand is the capability for people to move around in the space. Now, that is absolutely the future of the internet. That is how. Um, organizations are looking to and starting to onboard and train employees it's how they're looking to launch product it's how they're looking to connect to their most important audiences now that physical proximity is a little bit of a different paradigm than it was a few years ago and thankfully the technology has evolved in a way that lets us do that And there's a couple of things that are really super important about that. It takes that learning or that experience from being a linear left brain experience to being a right brain experience. Because as soon as you are moving around the space, you have agency to go wherever you want, your brain says, I've chosen to be here. I've chosen to engage with this content. So it's far more sticky. It's it's, it's far quicker to retain and easier to recall than a, a linear experience. So it's, it's incredibly exciting. And the other thing is it's way more user-friendly. You don't need to know how to do anything. You just walk up to it and touch it. So it's, it's actually leapfrogging over the need for us to really understand how the technology works uh, and, and, and creating a really an interface to give us access to the information that we already want to access in a far more user-friendly way.
0: So so does that mean, as you're talking there, um, I have to confess, you know, my uh, my technological capacity, you know, could do with a little bit of work, you know, so I was thinking of experiences that I've had in the, the past. Uh, uh, the first thought that came to my mind was, um, from a school-based perspective, this is when I've gone from understanding that there's a triangle, and now there's a pyramid, and I've got a third degree to it, or then I was thinking, now I'll channel my uh, a little bit older, and I'm thinking... I'm playing Mario Brothers and all of a sudden Mario 64 comes out and up means backwards, <laughs> you know, I can walk into the space. Um, you know, So do, do I need some sophisticated software or hardware rather, you know, like do I need a VR, are we talking goggles and uh, all these kind of things or, or can I access it sort of traditionally or how I already do?
1: One of the biggest misconceptions, and it is driven by, you know, the big players out there like Mark Zuckerberg's Meta who are wanting to make this a hardware play, they're wanting to sell headsets, but The Metaverse doesn't require a headset. You can certainly consume it that way if you have one, but you can consume it on a a laptop or a desktop as well or even a mobile. And if you look back to those um, games that I referenced, like Minecraft, like Roblox, then they're very, very rarely consumed in a headset. The Metaverse is about the perpetual 3D world and the ability to go within that world and explore, discover, interact, see other people in there in real time, so engage with people as well as content, that that's the defining feature set it's it's not about the hardware you consume it on interestingly many previous you know big steps in technology like smartphones coming online like the the references that you made even like the point you make around understanding a triangle versus a pyramid they took quite a bit of cognitive load for us to unpack and the nice thing is that this does the opposite. It frees up cognitive load for us because instead of having to understand how that triangle is a pyramid, still drawn as a in a two-dimensional way on a piece of paper in a textbook, you can now move it around, turn it, go and walk around it. And so naturally understand it in a far more experiential, if you want to use that word, um, but certainly a far more natural way for us. So it's really mirroring how we would learn In a physical space and enabling that in a digital space.
0: I can, I'll tell you what I'm thinking from my my educator perspective. I'm channeling my, uh, I'm teaching stage two and I'm teaching capacity. Uh, And when I've had to do that in the classroom, it's been the last thing I want to teach because I have to get out all the equipment and I've got the kids playing in water. Is this going to float? How's it going to fit? But I can see like an application where. You know, if I'm able to get in and play and manipulate and move those shapes around, are there particular things that lend themselves to being better taught in in the, I, I don't know what word to use now instead of metaverse, but.
1: You could say metaverse, in, in a 3D environment. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, teaching someone something in the medium as close as possible to the way they're going to execute it is always a great idea, right? So so I often say to people, if you wanna teach someone to use a computer program, th- don't worry because they'll be doing that on a screen in a two dimensional way anyway, like if, if it's a piece of data entry software or something. But if if it's something like volume and capacity that you're talking about, that is very much of a, a lived physical experience, then teaching it in a way that they can live it physically is, is always gonna be a, a shorter path to learning. And you know what you I'm sure have, A collection or had when you were teaching a collection of really interesting objects to fill with that water. But what if you could go out and fill the opera house, you know, go and fill your house, go and fill someone's car, go and fill like, you know, fill everyday objects with that virtual liquid to help drive that learning home and contextualize it more. So the ability for us to create learning experiences that help people generalize the information is much greater because we can give them access to things that they couldn't access in the real world, you know, you're not going to go and fill the principal's car with sand to see how, you know, how much sand it takes unless, you know, it's muck up day on year 12, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I love I love that. What was popping into my mind as you were speaking then was uh, when we teach kids to read, there's a huge difference when they're reading, you know, early readers where the story is possibly not overly engaging, but it's about exposure to words. The cat sat on the mat you know, and all those kind of words. Um, And where we notice that kind of big engagement moment is when it's got relevance, you know, I'm reading for meaning, you know, I'm reading and I'm connecting with this text and uh, two kids at level 20 might have really diverse reading, uh, like interests, and therefore they shouldn't necessarily read the same text despite being at the same level. As you're talking about filling up the principal's car with sand or the opera house with water, all of a sudden my, my comparative capacity lesson with my little jugs got a whole lot more fun, you know, um, and, and engaging.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all things that are a terrible idea in real life, of course, you know, don't try this at home, but uh, certainly engaging.
0: So in, in the in the world of the future, I read uh, from your blog, uh, which I really enjoy, and uh, one of the articles in there, Lessons from My 12-Year-Old, uh, is the title for it for anyone listening along, which I'd strongly recommend. You spoke a lot about Roblox uh, and, and some of the experiences in there. Could you tell us a little bit about Roblox? Because I think most teachers out there, have probably heard of Roblox. Uh, Certainly lots of their students would have heard of Roblox. Can you tell us a little bit about that and the context you use that in?
1: Yes, certainly. Look, the context I use it in is very much observational because my son is right in there. And so for me, building software that I guess somewhat parallels the Roblox experience but is secure and appropriate for a commercial and corporate environment uh, I watch very keenly and I have a bunch of really interesting observations and little moments in time that I have gleaned from him and his friends, which is which is really cool. The ability to conduct good research is an incredibly critical skill but not accept the first piece of information at face value but go and get a collection of your own information and divine your own answer and your own conclusions around how to proceed with something. And so because of the three-dimensional nature of Roblox where you're running around inside the environment participating in things, you have the opportunity to go and get little bits of information, gather those, deploy them, see how they work for you, and go and do it again if it doesn't. So that opportunity to sort of build a hypothesis test and, uh, you know, and do that again in a way that, you know, is physically safe if you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of broader conversations we can have around s- screen time and safety and so on, to do that with a group of friends too. So, you know, I, like most parents, I was really hesitant around, ooh, ooh real time online, you're engaging with friends, um, hopefully, uh, you know, but if you can create a really safe, controlled environment and do it in a way that you are across what's happening, I think it's a great lesson in true collaboration, which is, again, an incredibly difficult skill for people to build. Um, So for me, those skills, I think, are going to become increasingly important. They're already incredibly important, but increasingly important in the workforce and in the world at large. And I see them playing out in spades in a context to your point earlier, that's really engaging and really relevant. You know, the other thing that's interesting about Roblox is there are literally hundreds of thousands of games in there but they're all very s- similar in their in their context or, or pretense so you know my daughter is right into adopting pets uh in there and my son is a little bit more about taking on epic challenges and saving the day yet they're getting the same experience from a skills perspective
0: yeah it's it's a it's a fascinating place you know and and uh, I appreciate you calling out the screen time and the cyber safety which is a conversation for another day but from a, from a, from an application perspective I guess one of the questions for me is these students are engaging with it you know if you were to ask me about the metaverse you know or a, a lot of my peers uh, we would probably say oh yeah you know that's the virtual reality thing oh yeah you know that'll be everywhere one day you know sort of like uh, flying cars and hoverboards and the rest of it um, but uh, one of the things I loved in that article was where you reference well actually your kids are already in the metaverse they're already completely engaged so doing it. yeah it's it's there it's not a thing for the future it's a thing for now so Are there particular things you do to nurture success with acquiring those skills, like with your own children?
1: Look, for me, the most important thing is, I really think is that critical thinking piece, is, is the ability to form your own opinions on the information that you have at hand. And in many ways, intelligence has been measured by our ability to think critically. You know, that's how IQ is measured and has been for eons. It's certainly something that was rewarded in a pen and paper environment when I was growing up. And so whilst it's rewarded and acknowledged, it's it's rarely actively taught or, or, or less commonly actively taught than would be amazing. And so for me, the main thing that I drive home with my kids is get all the data you can and then use it to make your own opinion, because that will help keep you safe. It will help you from making a fool of yourself and believing something that's not right. It will also help you be far more creative because if you look at the the physiology of creativity, it's about taking as many inputs as you can into your brain and, and, and so that you've got more things to make new connections between. And so the more inputs that we have and the more stimulus we expose ourselves to are very, very, very different types the more chance we have of coming up with new ideas, things that maybe hadn't been thought of before, certainly things that we hadn't thought of before, and really that—that's a direct parallel to how we want people to behave online. We want young people to behave online. You know, they now have, without even batting an eyelid, access to the world's information, which is either great or terrible, depending on how they assimilate that information and how critically they view it. Um, and so, for me, that is the single biggest thing that I'm trying to ensure my kids really embrace.
0: Uh, I'll be taking that on for sure. When I pick my kids up this afternoon, we'll be having critical thinking 101 in the car. (laughs) um, I'm, I'm curious about the idea of sustained learning environment where you can dip in and dip out at point of need. I mean, it goes back to sort of what you were telling me earlier about the generation that's already in there and the way I might ask you to just expand on how they use YouTube uh, as a connection point there
1: yeah you know an observation I've made with all the research again my very handy 12 year old uh, with all the research um, that they do constantly they don't google things the way we google things they search for them in YouTube so they're using YouTube as a search engine, not as a place for content playback. You know, that's TikTok now. Um, probably a little older than 12, but that's, you know, really, that's that's the domain of other things. You're looking for fun social content. It's their search engine. And, and so that ability to consume something in a bite-sized chunk, hopefully doesn't mean that they just consume the first thing and take the first person's word for it they see. But instead of going and reading one article, paper, transcript on something, they can go and watch five, six, ten different people talk about it quickly and use that to gather their own um, perspective. And I think that is certainly, you know, something that going to really, really, really increase as we see the next cohort of people coming through the education system is the way they want to learn and consume. And they're avid consumers. If they were readers Twenty years ago, we'd be absolutely in awe of their consumption. We just haven't made the leap to the medium that it's now consumed mm. through.
0: Oh, that's that. That one requires a bit of self reflection for me to take away. I think, but <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right there. And I'm
1: sure it's a pretty, uh, you know, a topic we could debate really hotly too. You know, I, I, I you know, I am advocating. For embracing technology that is ubiquitous to these people and is going to be to us all ongoing, but not without not without caution and not without a lot of care.
0: Yeah, Uh, Michelle, I uh, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation, and uh, I will be picking it up and talking to you a lot more. Um, But I'll I'll thank you so much for your time today. It's um, so insightful and uh, just. Yeah, it it causes a lot of reflection about what we're trying to achieve, and not only what we're trying to achieve, but how we can go about that with the tools that are available now. So, thank you so much for your time.
1: That's okay. And you know what? That's that's all we need the world to do is is stop and reflect and look at what's available to them, you know, rather than just carry on blindly. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think that's spot on. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you so much. It's really great talk.
0: What a privilege to spend time talking with michelle today it was super interesting to me that even the phrase i opened the podcast with metaverse is already outdated and evolved so with the evolving technology it became really clear that the advantages it offers are around context novelty and engagement i wonder what differentiation looks like in a world where everything's possible her example around both her kids using Roblox in different ways, in different worlds to evolve and find the same skills. makes me think that there's opportunities for us. And finally, her advocacy for critical thinking really resonated with me. If YouTube is now a search engine, who's teaching my kids to critically consume? It's a really big world out there and the kids who can gather the best information and make balanced and informed decisions are gonna have a huge advantage. So how can we get these skills to the students that they need now? Thanks for listening to Creatable Future. Leave us a review and let us know what you liked, what you didn't like, and what you'd like more of. Reviews help us reach more listeners so that we can keep bringing you more awesome conversations. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep up to date with each episode as they come out. If you want to hear more about how Creatable is connecting schools with industry through our professional learning library, head to creatablefuture.com. This episode was recorded on Dharawal and Darug Country.